We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, December 20th. I am Nick Whalen. No Brady Kravitz today. He's sick. He's got sick kids at his house. It's a holiday week, so he's got the day off. Uh, we're going to go solo, uh, do probably a shorter version of the pod today. We'll open it up a little bit earlier uh, to some Q&A, try to hit as many of those as we can. So as always, if you're listening, if you're watching live on YouTube or on Twitter, uh, feel free to toss you know some questions, some comments in the stream, and we will hit those as we go along. So again, this will probably be a bit of a shorter episode. We'll talk about, you know, some of the fallout, some of the fantasy takeaways from Tuesday night, but, but we're back to a more traditional NBA schedule. So we only had two ga- or four games, excuse me, on the slate last night. Obviously the big news, the return of John Morant and could really could not have gone much better for Ja. 34 points, eight assists, six rebounds, two steals and a block. He didn't turn it over five times, but he was a plus 12 Full workload, 35 minutes. You know, we saw Taylor Jenkins earlier yesterday say, yeah, you know, we're going to be maybe a little careful with this minutes. And then before tip-off, it was probably playing the low 30s. I mean, they needed every minute of John Morant last night. Of course, it's the game winner as well. So kind of a a storybook return as far as that goes for Ja. 10 of 12 at the free throw line. He took 24 shots. You know, we wondered, would he be rusty at all? The answer is a pretty emphatic no. I mean, John Morant looked like John Morant last night and this is going to be a huge huge boost for Memphis the question is can the Grizzlies get back into the playoff race in the Western Conference and I would like to say yes but I mean they dug themselves a hole six and 19 in the first 25 games without John Morant and you know even after winning last night you know Phoenix lost uh, Golden State did win that was not good for Memphis but you know they are still six and a half back of the Phoenix Suns who are currently in 10th and and of course that is the final you know play-in spot so I, I, you know, they're going to have to go, they're, they're basically going to have to win what 60% of their games, at least the rest of the way to, to have a chance to sneak in there. And to me, it, it's tough to say, all right, if they're in 13th right now, do they eventually pass the Utah jazz? Probably, you know, with a healthy jaw and a healthy Marcus smart, if they have just relatively decent injury luck, the rest of the way, I, I think they do, they do pass up Utah. You know, I, I think I could, you could see them passing up golden state. We'll see, you know, if the warriors could get it together uh, or if they make any roster changes beyond that though, it's like, you know, what's the other team, that falls out. Like I have a hard time saying, yes, Memphis is going to pass the Phoenix Suns, you know, barring an injury to Durant or Booker. I don't think that's happening 
you know, Houston is maybe that team that could fall back. They're at 13 and 11 right now. You know, obviously the defense has been fantastic, but they're, they're deep. They're talented. I, I don't think they're necessarily due for a big slide. And then above them, you got the Lakers, the Pels, the Clippers. They've won eight in a row. Dallas, Sacramento, Denver, OKC, Minnesota. You know, most of those teams you feel pretty good about, you know, hanging around where they are right now, current seating wise. So I, I think they're going to need, they're going to need some help. They're going to need some injury luck, some bad injury luck from other teams to crawl back into the playoff race. But frankly, if you're Memphis, I mean, you don't want to throw away a season. You know, we're only 26 games in. Um, but if, if, if they, you know, fail to gain ground, you know, if they're still six, seven games out of even a play-in spot at the halfway point or after the all-star break, maybe it would be the worst thing, you know, for the Grizzlies to, to have a lottery pick and, and add another piece to this core because Jaw's still young. Jaron Jackson's still young. And you're kind of resetting now uh, around that core. And you probably need to find a long-term answer uh, with Steven Adams missing so much time at center these last couple of seasons. But regardless, you know, huge, huge return for John Morant <laughs> really could not have gone better. You know, if you threw him out there in a weekly fantasy lineup, you kind of didn't really know what to expect and didn't know if he'd be on a minutes limit, how rusty he would be, uh, you know, really could not have gone better. So great to have John Morant back. Memphis is back in action tomorrow. Uh, they are home for the Indiana Pacers. I mean, that is that's going to be a hell of an environment. Uh, John Morant's first home game back coming off of the game winner and really an ideal fantasy matchup as well against uh, an Indiana team that is just handing out points to anybody. So uh, if you got John Morant in your lineup, uh, good stuff there. Elsewhere last night, you know, I, actually I want to stick with Memphis first. So they win that game 115-113. Jaron Jackson, 24 points, took only 10 shots, but got to the line 15 times. Uh, I mean, that is a, a huge, huge, you know, kind of change of pace for Jaron Jackson, who is probably a little bit underqualified to to carry a team offensively. You know, it was him and Desmond Bain through the first 25 games of the season. And to varying success, right? I mean, we saw Jaron Jackson have some pretty high volume nights. You know, the efficiency has not really been there. The field goal percentage is way down. I think a lot of that, a lot of that was predictable. You know, especially when you watch Jaron Jackson, he's not he's not a great ball handler. He could be a little out of control at times. He's never shot a great percentage as far as big men go. But you know, I, my hope as someone who has Jaron Jackson in a bunch of important leagues is that you know the return of Morant kind of standardizes who he's supposed to be. He goes back to the role that he played last season, which is still a very good offensive player. Somebody who could give you close to 20 a night. He's never going to be a great rebounder. That's just not really who he is. He's kind of got that, that Brooke Lopez stat profile in some ways. Um, but I, I think, you know, taking some of the offensive pressure off of him, allowing him to focus more defensively, three blocks last night for Jaron Jackson. That was fantastic. So my hope is that continues. And again, a really good matchup for Memphis on Friday against the Indiana Pacers on the New Orleans side of things, big game for Brandon Ingram. 11 of 18 from the field, 11 of 12 at the line, 34 points, six assists, four boards, two steals. Valanchunas, you know, we talked about him on the Rotowire NBA show on Sirius XM last night. Alex and I both loved him to have a big game. He goes for 22 and 14. Uh, we, we cashed our Jonas Valanchunas over 0.5 steals prop as well. That was great. Uh, took pretty deep into the game. You know, I was, I was talking with Alex last night. Uh, you know, Memphis turns it over. A decent amount. They're they're near the top of the league in, in turnovers. They're near the top of the league in opponent steals per game. They're actually number one in that metric. They turned it over 17 times last night, and somehow that only resulted in four total steals for the Pelicans. And at one point, Memphis had I think 12 turnovers early, and only one of those resulted in a steal. Uh, so obviously, that's a, a bit of a fluky stat if you're looking at at the betting side of things. But uh, big night for Valanciunas, and then CJ McCollum, 18 points, all of which came on three, six of nine from beyond the arc. Uh, he, he only took two two-point attempts, missed both of those, added in six assists. 
a steal and a block. Uh, you know, the Trey Murphy thing is something we've been monitoring quite a bit on this pod. I am a huge fan of Trey Murphy. He played 21 minutes off the bench last night, just seven points, two of six shooting, only took one three-pointer. You know, we've gotten a lot of questions on these streams about Murphy and, you know, can he return to the player that he was last season? You know, on a per-minute basis, my answer is always yes. I, I think he's really, really good. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the knockdown shooters in the NBA for a long time. But you got to remember, I mean, he started 65 games last year. He's now played in eight games this year. He's coming off the bench. He's averaging six fewer minutes per game. New Orleans was basically without Zion for all of last season, right? And I, I think that played to Trey Murphy's benefit in, in a way that it, it is not so far this year. So if Zion were to go down, then yeah, I think Trey Murphy becomes like a 30, 33 minute per game player. But as long as Zion's in the lineup, I think you're going to get about the same, you know, kind of per minute numbers for Trey Murphy, but maybe a little bit lower ceiling. Now, last night was easily his worst game of the year. So, you know, even with that factor in, he's still averaging more points, more rebounds, more assists than he did last season. So he's still a, a fine fantasy asset, but uh, you know, as long as, as long as Zion's healthy, I think there is a, a little bit of a, a lower ceiling for Trey Murphy. Bucks took care of the Spurs, 132-119. Uh, really, this game, nice job by the Spurs to come back and cover it in the fourth quarter. They outscored Milwaukee 34-25 in the final period. Uh, Alex and I, you know, we, we talked about that game on the radio, and basically we're like, look, we're not taking Milwaukee minus 16 and a half. This is just screaming backdoor cover. That's exactly what happened. But the Bucks, the Bucks completely dominated this game, you know, 44 points in the first quarter. Not a huge scoring night at all for Giannis. Four of 12 from the field in what should have been a perfect matchup. I mean, no Wembenyama for the Spurs, but just kind of an off night for him offensively. But 16 assists, 14 boards, two steals, and a block. So kind of a unique triple-double for Giannis, 11, 16, and 14. It was a huge Damian Lillard night, uh, arguably his best offensive game for Milwaukee. You know, this is basically a three-quarters of garbage time, but we will take it. Seven threes for Lillard. You know, it feels like every game he starts like 0-4 from three. That was not the case last night. He was hot from start to finish. 40 points, four assists, three boards, and three steals for Damian Lillard. Kelton Johnson went 28 and 12, 22 uh, and two blocks for Zach Collins. Uh, we did have a Shaden Sharp injury. That's something to monitor. Um, I'm a very big Shaden Sharp guy. Uh, you know, the volume's been down a little bit. The numbers have been down since Anthony Simons came back. Uh, but he left early last night against the Sun. I think he played only eight or nine minutes dealing with a groin injury. So that will be... That'll be something to monitor. Um, you know, if you're in daily leagues, obviously not as big of a deal. Hopefully he plays. Uh, they, they play tomorrow at home against Washington. That should be a very, very good matchup. Um, but concerning loss last night for the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, I saw some, some reporters uh, for the Suns on Twitter were like, this is this might be a players-only meeting type of loss. You know, Phoenix now 14 and 13 on the year. Durant went for 40. Booker gave you 26 and 7. Really nobody else did anything for the Phoenix Suns. You know, they go 5 of 23 from beyond the arc as a team. You know, it's one of those games for Portland where they went 14 of 28. And, you know, if you're outscoring a team that badly from three, you're going to win a lot of games in the NBA. But it's, it's not like Portland played all that well. I mean, they only they shot under 45% as a team. It was really the threes uh, that, that ended up pulling this game out for them. Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench, 32 minutes. He had four threes, 14 points, four assists. Uh, decent day for, for Anthony Simons, you know, 23 and seven. But again, only nine of 23 from the field, eight and 16 and 15. And Jeremy Grant is kind of doing what Jeremy Grant does. He's putting up those Carmelo Anthony stat lines, 22 points, one rebound, four assists, did have two blocks as well. Um, all right, we got some questions in the chat. Again, if you're just tuning in, no Kravitz today. Uh, he's dealing with an illness. Uh, he is, he's listed as a game time decision 
uh, going forward, but should be back on the stream next week. So we're going solo here. Um, keep keep the questions coming. I think that will uh, that will prevent me from just you know rambling on and on uh, about last night's games. Uh, we got a question from Adithia. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. He says, "Appreciate your work and your advice. Thank you. Appreciate that." Uh, help me, please. He said, hold Pajemski or drop to pick up Trace Jackson Davis. He is in a Yahoo head-to-head 12-team, 15-category league. Whoa, 15 categories. I would like to know what, what those extra categories are. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of questions about Brandon Pajemski of late, and rightfully so. I, you know, he went for, I think it was $29 in fab in a $100 budget league that I'm in, 16 teams over the weekend. So, you know, somebody that I think has, has staying power, but played only 16 minutes last night. You know, he's been starting for them. Uh, they've moved Andrew Wiggins to the bench. Wiggins had yet another disaster game last night. You know, he had played well in their last game, but man, two of 11 from the field in 22 minutes, six points, seven rebounds. I mean, this has just been a, a brutal, brutal start to the year for Andrew Wiggins. And, you know, I think Trace Jackson Davis, that's, that's kind of the storyline for the Warriors who were able to, to rally back, uh, despite Steph Curry picking up five or his fifth foul, I think in the third quarter, uh, you know, led them to an overtime win. And just yet another game where you, you, you kind of get concerned about the late game uh, offense for the Boston Celtics. But Pajemski, you know, left that game with a lower back injury. Uh, that was according to Kendra Andrews of ESPN. So it wasn't it wasn't like he got benched. You know, if you're just looking at the box score, uh, you might think, OK, why did he play 16 minutes? You know, we'll see on him you know, as far as what his status will be going forward. Uh, the Warriors are. <clears throat> They're off tonight. They're off tomorrow. And then they have a, a really, really juicy back-to-back. Both of these are home games against Washington and Portland Friday and Saturday. So hopefully Bajemski's back for that. Uh, looking forward, next week they have a three-game week. Uh, they have a four-game week after that. Uh, and then three, three, three uh, you know, through the first few weeks of January. So not a, not a great schedule necessarily for the Warriors. I, I think I would still I would still favor Pajemski over Jackson Davis. Now you know, Trace Jackson Davis was was one of the big stories for the Warriors last night. Had that huge block on, on Jalen Brown, but had three blocks total, 10 points, 13 boards in 29 minutes. Uh, he played 18 minutes in their previous game against Portland at 14 and eight with three assists and two steals and a block. So I, I think he I think he's worth, you know, a flyer at this point, but still very, very unproven, right? Second round pick out of Indiana, a guy who was a great college player, one of those classic like, all right, he's awesome in college, but will he really do anything in the NBA? But I think he's found a good landing spot uh, in Golden State and obviously will benefit uh, as long as Draymond Green is out. But he's still, you know, he's still behind Jonathan Kaminga, who played 34 minutes, had one of his best games of the year, 17-7, 2-2 last night. Um, You know, the interesting thing was Kevon Looney only played 14 minutes. And, you know, that's been a trend this year. Obviously, he had so many great rebounding games toward the end of last season. He's not been great for them. You know, the Warriors, I think, are – still searching for that small ball option as long as Draymond is out. And I think we're going to see more Trace Jackson Davis, right? I think early in the season, Kerr was a little bit hesitant to, to switch up this rotation, to go, you know, go away from guys who he's trusted over the last couple of years. I think that's out the window. I think Golden State is kind of in scramble mode right now, especially without Draymond. So we should be looking at a, a nice little run here for Jackson Davis, where I think he's going to get minutes. He's going to get opportunities. Again, I would still, if I'm choosing between the two, assuming Pajemski, you know, is not dealing with a, 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 longer term injury with this back issue, I would still favor him. But if you need, if you need blocks, if you need rebounds, then, you know, I think Trace Jackson Davis makes sense as a streamer. Uh, All right. Eon asked, is Kobe White and Cam Thomas sell high candidates? 
Good question. I mean, you know, I've said all along with Kobe White, like he's, he's, I mean, this is the highest that his value has been throughout his career at any point by a mile, right? And it's been ridiculously consistent. You know, you're kind of still waiting for the, like, come back to earth stretch for Kobe White. And, you know, you look at his last 15 games, <coughs> excuse me, 23.4 points, 5.6 assists, 5.2 boards, 50 50 86 percentages and again this is a, a 15 game sample this isn't just like three or four games where he's been hot so yes he's a sell high uh you know would I consider would I consider flipping him for somebody who you know has, has a more proven track record who has uh you know more upside the rest of the way yes uh it's just a question of who can you really get at this point right um you know I'm trying to see where he ranks you know over the last 30 days which which encompasses you know uh you know uh, most of that stretch He's a top 25 fantasy player in eight category leagues. He's 24th overall. Uh, he ranks right between Stephen Curry and, and Chet Holmgren in terms of per game value. So, yeah, you could flip him if you could get, you know, I, I don't know, somebody like, uh, I don't know, Scotty Barnes, you know, if somebody's willing to part with, uh, you know, an injury risk type of player. I don't know, Paul George. Yeah, you probably can't get Kevin Durant, somebody like that. Um, might have to be a two for one type of deal. If you, you might have to throw in another piece, but. I'm not really trying to get off of Kobe White. Like, I think it's very possible that Zach Levine has played his final game as a Chicago Bull. I think they might just be kind of waiting to trade him. And there's always the possibility that if they deal him or they deal DeRozan or even Vucevic, if there's a taker there, that, yeah, they could bring in some other young talent, you know, who would cut into Kobe White's workload. But, I, I you know, I, I think they view Kobe White as part of the future. I mean, this is a team that's been kind of cruising toward a rebuild for a while. They've been putting it off, but you know, it's not like they're going to bring in somebody and, and all of a sudden Kobe White's playing 25 minutes off the bench, right? So, you know, he's playing 38 minutes a game over the last 15. Is that sustainable? We'll see. Uh, but I wouldn't really be looking to get off Kobe White right now. I, I think what he's doing feels fairly sustainable. And, you know, the Bulls are, are likely going to be a bad team the rest of the way. But I, I think we're looking at a, a perfect, you know, good stats, bad team situation for Kobe White. And then, you know, with Cam Thomas, he, he's just been, he's been so effective as a scorer that, even though I, I'm still questioning, is, is he actually a winning player? I, I don't know that he is, uh, but the minutes have been there, right? Uh, since he came back from injury, you know, he started now eight games in a row, 22 points, three rebounds, two assists in that span. Field goal percentage hasn't been great. He's taken 47 shots over the last two games. I mean, that's who Cam Thomas is. He's given you a bunch of threes as well. Um, you know, he's, if I'm like, if I'm forced to choose between selling one of those two, it would probably be Cam Thomas just because his fantasy profile isn't as friendly as Kobe White's. But again, I, I don't see either of these as like short-term booms. I think what they're doing is is fairly sustainable. And you know, I guess you worry about Ben Simmons coming back and what does that mean? But I don't know if that's even happening, man. I, I don't really have any trust in, in Ben Simmons. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think about Jalen Johnson? I just snuck him off the wire. He was dropped last night and I put him on IR. He will take my one and only streaming spot. I mean, that's great. I, I don't know why somebody would drop Jalen Johnson right now. Uh, you know, if you're in a really shallow league, 10 team league, yeah, I could see it. But, you know, to drop him, to drop him now when, you know, we're should be nearing the end of, of his return timetable, you know, they said they would reevaluate him in three to four weeks. And that was, excuse me, that was around Thanksgiving. So we're basically at the three and a half, four week uh, timetable right now. I think it's possible that he could be back in the next week or two. So I, I would understand dropping him, you know, at the time, again, if you're in a shallow league, but Jalen Johnson was awesome early in the year. And, you know, he's, he's another guy who was playing a ton of minutes, you know, kind of wouldn't say he came out of nowhere. He's shown flashes, but I did not see him, you know, being a 32, 33 minute a night guy. They have other options. You know, Bogdanovich has come on. Obviously, DeAndre Hunter, you know, A.J. Griffin, their first rounder last year. But I think Jalen Johnson is going to plug back in uh, when, when he returns from injury. And, yeah, if you're stashing him in an IR spot and, you know, you could just if, – if you're if you're streaming Jalen Johnson, you're in great shape, right? You know, if, he, if he's your streamer, that's awesome. Uh, I think in a lot of leagues, you know, 12, 14, certainly 16-team leagues, that's a guy who is, you know, a coveted every single week starter unless they're on a two-game week. So – uh, yeah, great job grabbing him. I, I don't, again, I don't know why somebody would would put him on the waiver wire right now. All right, Dubforce asks, is Asar Thompson finally a drop? And would you pick up James Wiseman in place of him? Uh, man, I, I just, I love and hate talking about the Pistons. I mean, they've, they've lost what, 23 in a row now. Just a sad franchise, um, a, a franchise that has a lot of pieces that we like. I, I think, you know, I think Asar probably has to be a drop. You know, he's back in the starting lineup. He had that big game against Indy a couple of weeks ago. And you're thinking, all right, you know, maybe, maybe we're back on track. We're back to where we were in early November. And he started five games in a row. His minutes have decreased in all five of those games. He, you know, he's played 22, 24, and 19 minutes over the last three games. Obviously, the Pistons continue to get blown out every single night. Two points, eight boards, three assists, and a steal last time out. I, I think he's probably droppable. I think he is. Uh, you know, we we talked a lot about the return of Bojan Bogdanovich and, you know, how will they use him? Well, I mean, they're playing him 30, 35 minutes a night. I don't know if it's a trade audition or what. I do think later in the season, you know, Asar will, will end up seeing more minutes. I, I don't know why they wouldn't turn things over to him. But for right now, you know, in, in, until they make some roster moves and, and, you know, really, really go in the tank, which is hard to fathom that they could go any lower, I think he is a drop in – you know, for the time being, I, I don't necessarily mind, you know, looking into James Wiseman. I didn't think this is a conversation we'd be having, but, you know, 26, 25, 28 minutes over his last three games. You know, Detroit could change the rotation on a whim. That's the one thing you have to consider. And obviously they're without Jalen Duran. Uh, you know, our last update on Duran came yesterday. He's still not practicing. So I think you, you probably got uh, a, a week or two maybe before he's back at the soonest. 
Uh, but the other thing is Isaiah Stewart. You know, Isaiah Stewart is, has been out with a shoulder injury over the last two games. That's a big part of the reason that Wiseman is in the lineup. He's closer to day-to-day. Uh, you know, the Pistons next game, they play tomorrow against Utah. Then they play Brooklyn uh, in Brooklyn on Saturday. So I think once Isaiah Stewart comes back, you know, he's obviously going to cut into Wiseman's, uh, you know, Wiseman's minutes. But really when Duran comes back is, is when we can see the fall off. So, um, you know, roundabout way of answering this question. I think right now I'd rather have James Wiseman than Asar Thompson if you're just looking at kind of a game-to-game or, or week-to-week streaming option. Uh, all right, Ian. What's up, Ian? He says he's in a nine-cat league. Brogdon in Bogdanovich uh, on Detroit or OG in Anobi. So um, I, I guess it's a two-for-one. You would rather have Brogdon and Bogdanovich or OG. I think I'd rather have Brogdon and Bogdanovich right now. Um, you know, Ananobi's playing better he got off to a really slow start you know he was outside of the top 100 early in the season he has played better of late uh you know I, I think both Bogdanovich and Brogdon are trade candidates uh I think we have to consider that uh for sure but um you know OG Ananobi right now he's he's just not really giving you the defensive numbers I think that's the biggest thing um you know he he's not really scoring consistently at this point so if, if you're giving me uh a uh you know uh a two for one in this situation with two guys who've been more productive and are both seeing a lot of minutes. Uh, I would lean toward the Bogdanovich and uh, Malcolm Brogdon side of things. All right. Tiago asked, uh, I don't know if this is a, a resident or a, 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 you know, relative of Tiago splitter. I don't think so, but he says, is Spencer Dinwiddie a sell high, you know, he, he might be a sell, a sell medium, right. Um, you know, I, I don't mind holding Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, I, I think the, <coughs> excuse me, the injury to Ben Simmons has been, has been big for him. And, you know, Cam Thomas being back in the mix, you know, Brooklyn's mostly healthy right now. And we haven't seen Spencer Dinwiddie's minutes drop off whatsoever. You know, last 15 games, he's averaging about 35 minutes per game. He's given you a ton of assists. He's given you steals as well. Uh, you're going to have to live with the bad percentages. That's kind of who Spencer Dinwiddie is. You know, he's usually a sub 30% uh, three point shooter. It's been hovering around 40% from three. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the assist production, especially, it's like now might be the time to to consider selling him. But I also think you could ride this out if you can live with the percentages. All right. Mark asks, who would you keep? Keontae, Giddy, or Trey Murphy in a nine cat, 10 team league? Interesting question. I'm not I'm not the biggest Keontae George guy. Um, you know, again, if you're if you're in a category league, especially a nine cat league, you know, the turnovers and the field goal percentage have just been disastrous. Um I do think the minutes will be there. I mean, they've been basically force feeding in minutes whenever he's healthy. Giddy's been been disappointing for sure. Uh, you're still getting you're still getting a decent number of counting stats from him, but you know, I think he's kind of the guy who's who suffered most with with OKC upgrading its talent this season. And you know, obviously Jalen Williams taking a step forward. Chet Holmgren uh, having some things to say in that rotation. You know, Giddy over the last couple of weeks, he's basically given you what like 10, 7, and four with a steal. Uh, percentages aren't great. You know, he, not a good free throw shooter, but he doesn't take too many. So that's not really that big of a concern. Um, I, I think I would lean Trey Murphy. I, I would lean Trey Murphy. And again, I, I want Murphy because at some point Zion Williamson's probably getting hurt. History would strongly suggest that. And if that happens, you know, then we're looking at a 30 plus minute role for Trey Murphy. So good question there. Um, I, you know, I don't know if there's necessarily an obvious answer, but if I'm choosing one of the three, it's going to be Trey Murphy. Uh, all right. So, oh, back to uh, Aditya, who is in the, the 15 category league. So it's typical nine cat plus field goals made, free throws made, three pointers made, double doubles, triple doubles, and flagrant fouls. Ooh, 
I like that quite a bit. So I, I wonder if, if flagrant fouls are, uh, are are a positive or a negative. Like, do you do you want Draymond Green in that league? Is is that a, a category that you're targeting? Um, but interesting. So thank you for the follow up, Aditya. Mark asks, is Cade a sell high since it looks like Detroit could tank? Yes and no. I mean, they're already tanking with him, right? You know, it's like they're the worst team in the league by a mile. They've won four games since the All-Star break last season. I don't think there's any reason. I don't think there's any reason for them to pull back on Cade Cunningham. It's not like he's in danger of of winning them games. So, no, he's he's been fantastic fantasy-wise. You know, got off to a, a bit of a sluggish start, but he's been really, really good. Over the last couple of weeks, obviously, he just went for a career high 43 the other night. You know, you, I guess you could maybe worry about a late season shutdown, but you got to you got to keep in mind that the lottery odds are smooth now. Right. I mean, it, as long as you're in that bottom four, which Detroit's going to be in the bottom four. I don't think that's going to be a concern. Like there's no there's no reason to push for like truly the worst record in the league as opposed to the second or third or fourth worst record. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think Kate needs reps um, and I, I don't really see Detroit pulling back all that much. Um, so no, I, I would, I would still hold Cade. I mean, again, if you, if you can get a, a better player for him, obviously if you could trade anybody in that situation, but I, I'm not really, I'm not really worried about the tanking. I mean, Cade, Cade has been able to maintain his fantasy value despite the losing for Detroit. All right, let's see. We knew we'd get a Jordan Poole question. Guilford Wong says, do I drop Jordan Poole? Uh, depends on your league size as always with these questions, but he is droppable in, in some formats. Um, you know, I, I actually wanted Jordan pool in a lot of leagues. I, I didn't get him. I wasn't really willing to pay the price. And you know, that's, that's turned out to, to, to be a good thing. I suppose it is worth noting, but Jordan pool's played better of late and he's, he's had these stretches throughout the season. Right. I mean, I think it was like right around Thanksgiving, he had three straight really good games and then he was bad again for another couple of weeks. I mean, his last three, he's given you 24 points, five assists, 51% from the field, 50% from three. He had eight three-pointers the other night against Sacramento. Um, so if you're in like a 10-team league, he might be droppable. Um, and Guilford follows up and says, should I drop him for Malik Beasley? I don't know if I do that. Uh, you know, Beasley's basically just a, a three-point specialist, right? And um, you know, I guess you could say Poole is kind of that uh, in some ways. But I, I think there's still more upside with Jordan Poole going forward. Um, you know, he's at least playing more minutes than he was early on. It was really concerning. Like first couple weeks of the season, he had some games where he's playing like 20, 21 minutes. Um, he has been closer to, to 30, 32 over the last few weeks. So if it's Beasley versus pool, I would still hold pool. Uh, all right. Would you trade away Derek lively? Could the cell be too much to ask? Uh, not necessarily. Um, you know, lively is an interesting one, uh, kind of a unique fantasy player, right? I mean, not, not somebody who I thought would, would be this successful right away. I think he's a classic guy who, you know, number one recruit at times, uh, depending on where you look in his high school class, didn't really look all that great at Duke last season. But I think he's the type of player who's just better suited for the NBA game than he was in college. You know, you're really chasing the rebounds and the blocks and the field goal percentage with Lively. He's not really a scorer. He doesn't really pass. He doesn't give you a lot of steals, but he's up over two blocks per game. Over the last month, you shoot 76% from the field. I mean, that is huge. Again, it doesn't take that many, only about six shots per game, but that's going to give you a nice boost in field goal percentage and then 8.1 rebounds per game. Uh, so he ranks like 75th over the last month or so. The cell ranks quite a bit lower. I mean, if you need if you need points and threes, then I think this is actually a fair deal. Um, but if you need the defensive stats, if you need a center eligible player, I would probably just hang on to Lively. I think the cell... 
Vassell, I worry about a little bit, you know, as far as tanking goes, like the Spurs and Pop just kind of seem to be operating on whims every single night. Um, you know, obviously, Vassell is, is one of their their key pieces going forward, so I don't think we're looking at a full shutdown, but you just you just never really know with the Spurs rotation. So I, you know, Lively's been the better fantasy player overall. If it's not really a positional need thing, I would probably just stick with him. Um, all right, so... Following up on the Dinwiddie question, Tiago says, you know, should I worry about Ben Simmons coming back and affecting Dinwiddie's value? Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, I, again, we've been down this road so many times with Ben Simmons that, you know, just when you think he's coming back, you know, there's a setback. Uh, We we really haven't gotten any word on him in a long time that, that gives us anything definitive. You know, they said in early December that he'd be out at least two more weeks. It's now been three weeks since we got that update. Um, and they kind of seem to be handling him on a game-to-game basis. He's dealing with, you know, a, a pinched nerve in his lower back. He had an injection early in December. So it's just, you know, it's one of those injuries where there's not really a firm timetable. It's kind of a pain management thing. You know, Simmons has not played since November 6th. I, I think he plays again at some point this year. But is he going to you know, be a guy who plays 20 games in a row and is playing 30 minutes a night? Maybe, but probably not. Um, so I, I don't really worry all that much about Ben Simmons uh, specifically here. I, I think we've, again, we, we, we know the track record with Simmons. I, I don't think he's going to be able uh, to stay healthy. Um, all right. So we another question about Jackson Davis, you know, he's on waivers. He was dropped just before his best game. He was just used as a streamer. Is he appealing? Yeah, he's definitely appealing to me as a streamer. You know, we talked about the Warriors schedule earlier in the pod. It's not super friendly, right? Um, you know, the rest of the week it is, but they, they don't have many four-game weeks coming up. Um, so when, if you're looking at streamers in weekly lineup leagues, you know, it might be a little bit tough to justify. But, you know, I, I also at this point in the season, there's not there's not that many obvious guys sitting on the waiver wire, right? Like, in you know, in fantasy football, starting running back X goes down and it's like, oh, here's an obvious pivot, right? You know, go pick up Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb gets hurt. In the NBA, you're working the margins, you're playing the trends a little bit more. And again, I, I think the Warriors, the Warriors and Steve Kerr are open to anything at this point. I, I think it is it has kind of become a you know egalitarian. Whoever's playing the best, those are the guys that are going to get the minutes. You know, I, I think if you read between the lines on some of the things that Steve Kerr has said over the last month or so, that's the implication to me is that you know outside of Curry and Clay and um, you know I think on some nights you know Kaminga and Looney. The rest of those spots and the rest of those minutes are are very much up for grabs. So I, I think as long as Draymond's out, and it sounds like he's going to be out at least two or three more weeks, if not longer, I think we're going to see a lot of Trace Jackson Davis. I think especially in in matchups where they're they're comfortable going small, you know, a team that doesn't have a traditional center out there. You know, we saw it last night against Boston. No Porzingis for the Celtics. You know, I think if he plays, we probably see more Looney. Uh, he only played 14 minutes last night. Uh, but Al Horford, it's like, yeah, you could say he's a traditional center. All he does is shoot threes at this point. You know, he just kind of hangs around the perimeter. Ten of his 14 field goal attempts last night came from beyond the arc. Um, so it, it might be a more of a matchup-based thing with Trace Jackson Davis, but I, I think they're going to try him out. You know, I, I think they're going to run him out there. They don't have a lot of other options with no Draymond. So I, I do like him as a streamer. And, you know, again, they play Washington and Portland at home Friday and Saturday. So if you're if you're in a daily lineup league, I think both of those are really appealing matchups. I mean, you know, Washington, especially one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA, um, I, I would be. I think that could be a big night for Jackson Davis, and you, you just got to kind of ride the hot hand right now. And if we're talking about a streamer, then I, I think he's a, a fine pickup. All right, guys, you can keep the keep the questions coming in the stream. We'll we'll keep this going as long as we can. Uh, you know, on a solo episode like this, I, I'm not just going to dribble on uh, too long. But uh, you know, happy to answer any other questions that come through. 
get back to you know what happened in the NBA last night. Uh, we only had four games on the slate. Talked a little about Spurs, Bucks, and Grizzlies, Pelicans. Touched on Celtics, Warriors as well, and then Suns, Blazers. Uh, you know, on the Portland side of things, uh, you know DeAndre Ayton, nice little redemption game for him against the Suns. Did only go six of eighteen from the field, but fifteen boards, sixteen points. We'll take that. Uh, this has been a, re- a really interesting team to evaluate. If you are a Matisse Thibel streamer, as I am in one league, you know, you got your money's worth last night, three steals and a block uh, in 21 minutes. You really don't care about anything else with him. He did hit two threes. That's a nice bonus, but you're, you're really just chasing the defensive stats. Was not a great night for Scoot Henderson. He did play 30 minutes. We love that. And, you know, Shaden Sharp going out early with that groin injury certainly helped, but three of nine from the field, missed both of his threes. Did go three of three at the line. Good to see him getting there. <laughs> Continues to foul at an absurd rate. Four fouls last night. Did have five turnovers. That's killing you in a nine-category league, but he finishes with nine points, five assists, and four rebounds. Continue to be relatively underwhelmed with Scoot, and my stance all along is that he he's going to improve. I think there's going to be stretches where he looks really good. Um, you know, I think he wasn't maybe quite as NBA-ready as we thought. You know, The injury early on is working against him, but in general, you know, players of, of his stat profile, his age, they just don't tend to be good fantasy players. Even if he has a, a nice stretch, you know, season long, like his chances of ranking inside the top 100, top 120 even are pretty slim. Like rookie guards just very, very rarely have the efficiency, uh, you know, to, to do well in fantasy right away. So I love him in Dynasty. I'm not backing him off, backing off of him uh, in that regard at all. But, um, you know, if he's somebody that you're considering picking up, considering streaming, you know, if, if Shane Sharp is out for a few games, then yeah, maybe. Uh, but when this rotation is at full strength, I'm still avoiding him. Gilford says Julius Randle was terrible to begin the season. That is very true. Uh, is his production sustainable? You know, good question. Randle has played so much better over the last month or so. You know, early on, it was it was disastrous, right? I mean, 5 of 22 on opening night. You know, that just kind of set him on a bad course. First 10 games of the year, he was shooting 33% from the field, 25% from three, 70% at the line. Uh, that brought us through November 13th. 16 games since Julius Randle's at 25 points, nine rebounds, five and a half assists. He's not giving you anything defensively, but it's Julius Randle. So what do you expect? 54% from the field, 78% at the line, 35% from three. So the question is, is it sustainable? Uh, you know, is, is Randle shooting almost 55% sustainable? No, but the rest of it, Probably, you know, it's not like he hasn't put up similar numbers to this in the past, right? I mean, last season he was a little bit down, but he's kind of gone every other year with like boom or bust seasons since arriving in New York. Two seasons ago, he was at 25, 10, and four on 46% shooting, 76% at the line. Not too far off what he's doing right now. So I I think the efficiency, it's going to wax and wane, you know, over the the course of the season, he probably settles in. You know, if he can even shoot like 48% from the field, that's fantastic for Julius Randle, a guy who takes a lot of tough looks. So in general, yeah, you know, I think it's like, you know, 85, 90% sustainable. If you just watch the Knicks night tonight, like I, I watched their full game against Utah late last week, had some gambling interests on that one. I mean, Randall, he's a ball hog. Absolutely. I, he's not somebody that I would want to play basketball with, but it, it's perfect for fantasy. I mean, he just, if he's touching the ball, he's not giving it up. Right. And um, I, I think that works to his advantage. Uh, obviously it's working well enough for the Knicks. They're still hanging around in the East. They're at the five seed. They're 15 and 11. So um, yeah, I, I think it's relatively sustainable. Will Wendell Carter Jr. get back to his averages last year when he's ramped back up? I don't know if he will, man. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I grabbed him in a couple leagues as kind of a stash. Uh, he should be 
making his return tonight against Miami. He's not on the injury report. So barring some sort of setback, you know, him like banging up that finger during warmups, he should play. You know, the thing is Orlando's been totally fine without him, right? They're 16 and nine and Wendell Carter has played five games for them. And he was terrible in those five games, nine points, 37% from the field, very small sample. I wouldn't read too much into that, but I, I you know, I think Orlando is going to be conscious of, not messing up a good thing. I mean, they're off to basically a best case start and, you know, it's been Batadze and, you know, Mo Wagner getting minutes. I'm not saying, you know, they're just going to keep Wendell Carter out of the rotation. Like he's going to see minutes, but I don't know if they just throw him out there for 30 minutes every night. Right. I think maybe, maybe he works his way up to that, but is he going to end up giving you what he gave you last season, which was 15 points, nine rebounds, two and a half assists, uh, you know, one and a half threes. I'd be surprised. I really would. Um, I, I think he's worth an ad, you know, especially if you're, in a deeper format, if you, if you have a streamer spot and, you know, he's center eligible, right? So that's, that's the other thing too, especially if you're in a two center league, you might need that spot. Um, so he's worth a flyer, but I, again, I'd be surprised if he's back to where he was last season. What do you think about Tyler Hero's return? What is his ceiling in a 12 team points league? Yeah. I mean, Hero looked great uh, the other night, right? I mean, kind of a best case scenario, I think for a guy who had missed a, a pretty significant chunk of time. And that was a tough, tough matchup against the best defense in the league in Minnesota and hero comes back. He plays a full workload, 33 minutes. He's in the starting lineup, 10 of 18 from the field did go just one of six from three, but still gave you 25 uh, with three rebounds, two assists, two steals, you know, ceiling wise. Uh, I, I think he could be a top 50 guy, right. Um, you know, if you just look at, you know, if he can basically do what he did the other night uh, and keep that sustainable, uh, you know, he'll, he'll rank much higher than the top 50. Now, you know, percentages, that's going to be, kind of the the question with Tyler Hero and you know he's not going to shoot 50 plus percent from the field going forward but in his nine games this season he ranks as the 36th best fantasy player in eight category leagues and that's with him shooting about 45 percent from the field uh, and giving you you know 23 five and four are his averages on the year so ceiling wise can Tyler Hero be a top 40 player yes I, I think he can you know Miami has a lot of mouths to feed and I think it was encouraging that Hero and Adebayo were back in the lineup we still saw Cody Martin start. He still played 20 plus minutes. Duncan Robinson still played 20 plus minutes, still hit four threes. Jaime Hawkes played 30 minutes. Josh Richardson played 26. So there wasn't really, there wasn't really like an obvious player who took a huge hit. I guess it would be Cody Martin the most out of that group. And Miami didn't have Kyle Lowry. So we do need to keep that in mind. You know, when he's back, we'll, we'll see, you know, how much he cuts into to some of those workloads. But um, I, I think it was encouraging, you know, especially if you're a Hawkes uh, fantasy manager that, that he still played 30 minutes and gave you a pretty nice night with two blocks and two steals. <coughs> Pardon me, dealing with a little bit of a cold. Pool or Murphy is the question from former Mets shortstop Jose Reyes. <sighs> Very good question. I lean Trey Murphy. I think he's the better player. Uh, obviously, Jordan Poole's in a vastly better fantasy situation. I think Poole's going to give you more headaches. I think he has more upside night tonight. You know, he's been on a nice run. Over the last three games, we've also seen him go, you know, up and down, up and down, night to night, week to week. So I would rather have Trey Murphy and, you know, you never wish injury upon anybody. But if you're holding Trey Murphy, to be frank, you're hoping Zion, Zion Williamson goes down at some point because that's going to open things up for Trey Murphy. I'm thinking about flipping Kobe White and Cam Thomas for Pascal Siakam. Is that too much? He needs uh, power forward and center eligibility. My lineup is guard heavy and Tyler Hero just came back from the grave. So you're already guard heavy and you got Tyler hero back. You know, I mean, Kobe white has basically been as good, if not a better fantasy player than Siakam. So I think this might be too much. 
you know, um, but if you're getting Cam Thomas on top of it, then yeah, it's probably fair. I think that's fair, especially when you when you factor in that you need somebody who's power forward center eligible like Siakam. Um, so in that scenario where you need something specific, you got to be willing to take probably a slight discount just to fit the positional needs. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Kobe White for Siakam is a debate. And if you're getting Cam on top of that, uh, I think that's fair. So I, I, I would probably do that deal. Would you trade Laurie Markkinen and D'Angelo Russell for CP3 and Sabonis? Hmm. Good question. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's off to a pretty good start fantasy-wise. You know, the, the field goal percentage is starting to come down, as you'd expect. He's still, to me, just not a good real-life player. I don't think he's a winning player. And I, I do think there's a pretty good chance that he's moved ultimately. Um, I prefer Sabonis to Markkinen. Those guys are very comparable in terms of fantasy. You know, if you're in a category league, it, it kind of depends what you need. You know, you're getting you're getting better rebounding, more consistent rebounding. You're getting assists, of course, with Sabonis. I mean, Markkinen gives you almost nothing as a passer, um, but he, he gives you the threes and you got, you know, more points. So, you know, Markkinen versus Sabonis to me is kind of a wash, although I, I think Sabonis is going to be more sustainable. You know, there's already been some Markkinen trade talks. Obviously, Utah feels like a tanky team. You worry about, you know, a shutdown for Markkinen late in the season. So, you know, I, I still prefer D'Lo to CP3. Um, but I, I think that gap is going to narrow as the season goes along. So overall, I would do the steal. I, I would rather have Sabonis than Markkanen. And, you know, the D'Lo CP3 part is, is secondary to me. Uh, Jorge asks, who do you think would be the next big hit on the waiver wire for category leagues, especially for points? Well, I mean, tough to say, right? Not not knowing the size of your league and who's available. Um, I'll, I'll take a look at, you know, who's out there in, in some of my leagues right now. You know, Pajemski, I, I think, was kind of that guy. Obviously, people went out and got Dante Exum, uh, you know, this past week as well. There's not – I don't know if there's, like, a really obvious, like, oh, this guy's just going to average 20 points a game the rest of the way type of player. You know, in one shallow league that I'm in, like, Keegan Murray is out there. You know, this is like a 10-team league, so you got to be be aware of that. Um, you know, we talked about Jalen Johnson getting dropped in some leagues earlier today. I think if, if that happened in your league, go get him. Other than that, I, I don't know if there's really, you know, somebody who's going to give you a ton of points. So you could target like a Malachi Branham in, in, in San Antonio and maybe hope that his role increases. You know, Malik Beasley is still out there in a lot of leagues. I think he's only rostered in uh, ESPN leagues. He's rostered in only 11%. You know, he's very three-point dependent, not a ton of upside there, but if you need threes and points, um, you know, Emmanuel quickly, a lot of people have cut bait with him. He's not, not had a great start to the year, but obviously we know what he's capable of. So uh, those are the names that come to mind if, you, if you're in a shallower league. <clears throat> Would you trade John Collins for OG in a nine-category league? I think I would. I think I would do this at first glance. Um, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> excuse me, OG Ananobi's been a better fantasy player so far this season, and it feels like he's not played well. I mean, this has been <clears throat> easily his worst start to a year over the last couple of seasons. Now, he's had health issues. You, you maybe worry about that cropping up at some point. But to me, I, I still think he's he's the better player. He's been the more reliable player. He has more upside. And Utah's already talking about trading John Collins. You know, there was a report earlier this week that he could be on the block. I actually like this landing spot for Collins. I just wanted him to get out of Atlanta, go somewhere where he could play more minutes. But um, you know, it feels like they've they've maybe already soured on that fit and they have some younger players they might want to get in there. So I would, you know, John Collins is not really playing all that well anyway. Um, so I think you're you're kind of like selling medium on him and you're you're buying low on OG Ananobi. And I think, I mean, think about it, like early in the season, you know, weekend, if somebody had said you could get OG Ananobi for John Collins, you, you would have, you've been thrilled. Right. And you know, I, I think you still got to see it through and, and hope that Ananobi emerges from that. So I would lean OG Ananobi 
uh, and take that deal if that's on the table for you. Um, all right, let's see. So we got a kind of roster advice question um, from Adithia, who says he's currently in fifth. The last place team offered him Jordan Poole for Cam Thomas, yay or nay. Uh, that is that is an interesting one. I I would rather have Cam Thomas. I think I would. You know, I think with Jordan Poole, what you're chasing is points and you're chasing threes, right? You know, the free throws have not really been there. We, we thought he was somebody that could take like, you know, eight or nine free throws a game. He's always been a high free throw guy in Golden State. That hasn't really carried over. I mean, Cam Thomas has been better and more consistent in basically every category that we care about with both of these guys. So, yeah, I would uh, I would hold Cam Thomas. I, I would not I would not do that deal. Um, I, I think Poole is going to continue to frustrate you. There's going to be ups and downs, but I would prefer Cam Thomas. Again, you know, very similar players in terms of their stat profile, but Thomas to me has been vastly, vastly better. Um, you know, but, but than Jordan Poole has this season. So, hold Cam Thomas if you're if you're sitting in fifth. I, I would not be don't don't be helping out the last place team. Uh, all right, let's see. Well, Guilford said pool is so trash. LOL. Yes, that is correct. I have to agree on that. Um, all right. What else do we have here? We talked about the waiver wire. Um, yeah, keep those questions coming guys. I'll try to hit a few more and then, you know, we're already at the 45 minute mark. So I'll probably head out here. Uh, if we don't get anything coming in, you know, looking at the board tonight, got a big night as is usually the case on Wednesdays, 10 games, on the slate, uh, you know, Boston playing on the second night of a back-to-back -back at Sacramento. They're actually underdogs for the first time all season. Uh, so that should be a fun game to monitor. I really like Donovan Mitchell tonight. Uh, if you're playing DFS or you're, you're doing things on the betting side, you could get his, you know, points, rebounds, assists. I think it's like 44 and a half. He's going to go on like a Luka type of run here, I think, with no Garland and no Mobley, especially against a bad Utah team at home tonight. Um, so I, I really like Donovan Mitchell. Got a question from Eric. He said, thinking Jonathan Isaac for steals blocks in a 14-team league. Got any suggestions for a stream who would be better than Isaac? If he plays in the back-to-back, -back, he might be the best option. Yeah, it's hard to get excited about this version of Jonathan Isaac. I mean, it's just, it's a shame, man. I mean, he was, what, the sixth overall pick, I think, back in 2017. You know, it went healthy early in his career, was awesome. You know, he had that two-and-a-half block, one-and-a-half one steal season before the injuries really set in in 2019. And it's just... It started to look like he's just never going to get back to being that guy. If you're chasing blocks and steals, you know, I mean, he's not even giving you that many of them. Like early in the season, he, he had a really nice run where he was giving you basically one, one and a half of each per game. Um, you know, we'll see if, if he plays both halves of the back to back. He's done it. He's done it a couple times a season. So I, I think as long as he doesn't you know, suffer some sort of injury or tweak that ankle that kept him out for a little bit uh, earlier in the month, then he should play both halves. You know, in a 14-team league, obviously your options are pretty limited. I always say, I mean, Matisse Seibel is the guy that I would pick up in, in daily lineups, right? Uh, I, I got to look at their schedule the rest of the week. But I think Matisse Seibel offers you exactly what you're looking for in terms of blocks and steals. Um, I, I think he's going to be more consistent. He's going to play significantly more minutes, <clears throat> whether he's starting or coming off the bench. And, you know, Portland plays tomorrow, and then they play Saturday. Uh, so two games remaining for the rest of the week and you know, looking at Isaac and the magic, like you said, they have a back-to-back -back coming up um, and then they play Saturday. So <clears throat> three games of Isaac versus two of Thibel as my voice just like completely goes out here. Sorry guys. It, it's a debate. I, you know, Thibel's probably available in your league. I would just go, I would just go grab him. 
Um, Aditya notes that Donovan Mitchell was not seen at shoot around this morning. Uh, that is a good point by you. I had not checked him. Oh, he's dealing with an illness. Oh boy. All right. Well, I was on the radio last night trumpeting Donovan Mitchell props. So hopefully he plays. That is not, not great news. Listen, is questionable right now. And you know, we'll see if he's able to get back. Uh, question about Dante Exum. Is he still serviceable for the long-term short-term? Yes. Long-term, I have my questions. You know, I think once Kyrie's back and once Josh Green is back, you know, Exum has played so well over the last couple of weeks that I, I do think they keep him in the rotation. Um, but is he playing more than 18 to 22 minutes? Probably not. Uh, you know, he's given you some assists. He's given you some threes, but really you're chasing the points with Exum. So is he worth an ad right now? Not knowing how long Kyrie's out? Yes. Um, long-term, is he really sustainable? I, I would, If it's a yes or no question, I would probably say no. Thoughts on Tari Eason. Love Tari Eason, man. Uh, loved him coming out of the draft. Loved him at LSU. You know, he's not in a great situation, but he's played so well that he's forced his way into the mix for Houston, right? I mean, the, the Rockets have so many guys, especially on the wing. And, you know, Jay Sean Tate has been absent lately. Ahmed Thompson obviously has missed a lot of time. So I think that's helped Tari Eason. But he's played so well over the last few games that, you know, I, I think he's forced his way into that rotation. And he's coming off the bench. Even when he's not playing that many minutes, he's still rebounding. At a crazy high rate, you know, he's given you a bunch of steals. He's given you some blocks. Last five games for Eason, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 2.2 steals, 53% from the field in 28 minutes. So love Tari Eason, uh, especially if you're in like a 14 or 16 team league. He absolutely has to be rostered. You're probably starting him uh, in those leagues. And if you can stomach, you know, if you can hold him in a 12 team league, I would do it. I would do it. I think you get, you got to be realistic about what the upside is here. You know, the Rockets have a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, you know, Jalen Green, Fred Van Vliet, Alperin Shangoon, uh, their first rounder, you know, Jabari Smith last year, like Tari Eason still ranks relatively low in the pecking order, but he's one of those guys that doesn't need to be, you know, your number two, number three, number four option, even like he just finds ways to impact the game. So definitely hold him. Um, yeah, Dethia passing along. Mitchell is officially questionable. Good call there. Uh, we got that up at Rotowire, uh, but thanks for the reminder. Um, all right. Timothy asked, is a SAR a drop in a 12 team league? Yeah. We touched on him earlier. I, I think he has to be, man, um, especially if you're in a weekly lineup league and, you know, you got to throw him out there and just kind of, you know, play the whims of Monty Williams. It's really hard to trust. And you know, even with some guys, you know, out of the lineup in that front court the last few games, the, the minutes have not been there. Detroit just gets blown out like, it, what, eight out of 10 games they're losing by like 20 plus. And, you know, Thompson's young enough that you think that wouldn't really affect him, but they're emptying out the bench, you know, for a lot of fourth quarters. And, you know, early in the season, when he had that great run, I mean, he was playing, you know, mid thirties, at least even high thirties in terms of minutes on a lot of nights. So if he's only playing 22 minutes a game, he's just not going to give you the numbers. So um, yeah, un unfortunately then I, I think I would drop Asar Thompson. You know, he's somebody that's always going to be in the back of your mind of like, man, I, I, we've seen the upside. It's like, he, he should be in a good fantasy situation. Um, I would drop him now. And if they trade Bojan Bogdanovic at some point, I think maybe that's what, what reopens the window for Asar Thompson later in the season. Uh, Aditya mentions that Tar Eason got more minutes than, than some of the starters in the Rockets last game. That is true, man. Uh, it is. And, you know, Jabari Smith is somebody who only played 23 minutes. He did have four fouls, so that was part of it against Cleveland in that overtime loss uh, on Monday. But, you know, Jabari Smith is also a guy who tends to float around, right? And if, he, if he's not giving you a whole lot on any given night, you, know, you can see Ime Udoka pretty easily pivoting to Tar Eason. And I, I don't think we see Tar Eason you know, take over the starting job from Brooks or Jabari Smith, I'd be pretty surprised, especially given the level of investment that they have in Jabari. And, and he's played pretty well on balance, you know, after a really disappointing 
rookie season. Um, you know, I actually like what I've seen from him for the most part. So it's not like he's playing his way out of the starting lineup. But uh, if Tari Eason could basically just be your sixth man, that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. And, you know, Jay Sean Tate played on Monday, played about 16 minutes. You know, they're still handing Jeff Green a ton of minutes. He played 24. Uh, he's played well, six of six from the field. So, you know, it's not like they, they need to kick him out of the rotation. But you'd, you'd love to see some of those minutes more consistently go to Tari Eason. All right, George says, thoughts on Keldon Johnson. Can he sustain his numbers the rest of the season? Most likely, yeah. I mean, the Spurs are kind of like the the Pistons in some ways and the Wizards and the Blazers and these other teams that are at the bottom where, you know, they are they have their guys for the most part. You know, Webb and Yama's missed, what, two games? I think last night was his second absence of the year, and they're still losing basically every night. So I don't I don't see any reason to to back away from that. It's not like Keldon Johnson is is winning you games. Um, you know, he's been on a really nice run for the last month, last 15 games, 19.7 rebounds, four assists. That's nice. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that, that was really doing a whole lot of that in years past. He was at, you know, 2.9, 2.1 assists each of the last two seasons. And the minutes are about where they were during those last two years. Um, you know, the steals have come in bunches for him. He's not very consistent in terms of racking up defensive stats, but you know, he's had a couple games with, with multiple steals, a couple four steal games in the last two weeks. He's taken a ton of shots. You know, he gets to the line at a decent rate. Uh, and he started to shoot the three better as well. So yeah, I mean, San Antonio, again, like Detroit, those are both two teams that you, you don't necessarily trust, but I mean, Kelvin Johnson has now played at least 31 minutes in 18 consecutive games. So if, if we can't trust that sample, um, I, I don't know what we can trust. So yeah, I, I think his numbers are, are pretty sustainable. Thoughts on Marcus Smart's return. Yeah. Marcus Smart. Uh, we got some indications earlier this week that he could be back as soon as tomorrow. They said he may return tomorrow night. Uh, Grizzlies are at home for the Pacers. After that, they're on the road at Atlanta. I think, like, worst-case scenario, we see Marcus Smart back for the start of next week. And, you know, he has not played since November 14th, so pretty long layoff, was a little bit shaky earlier in the season, but was giving you two steals a game, five assists. You know, that was without John Morant, of course, so we, we got to see what that looks like. But, um, yeah, I've been holding him in IR in a couple of leagues. I'm not dropping him. Uh you know, unique situation in that he played without Morant and now Morant's back. Uh, so very possible that he loses a little bit of upside in terms of scoring and assists, but um, always a guy who, you know, plays a ton of games, usually finds a way to finish inside the top 100. So I would, I would hold him for the time being and just kind of see what it looks like over the next couple of weeks. Novell says, is Keontae George nearing a return? Yeah, good question. Uh, they're taking a game-to-game with Keontae George. He's missed now three in a row, uh, was ruled out for tonight's game. That'll be number four. Uh, you know, usually you get the returns to practice notes, you know, some sort of indication that he's moving in the right direction. We have not really have not really had that yet. You know, the Jazz did confirm about a week ago that he avoided a serious injury to that foot and ankle area, uh, got an MRI, and there's, there's no damage there. Um, Cleveland's on the front end of a back-to-back tonight. Almost never do you see a player sit the front end and then come back on the back end, especially on the road. So I think he'll he'll remain out tonight. He'll probably remain out tomorrow. You know, maybe Saturday at Toronto. But you know, Jazz are on a road trip right now. Um, you know, they they continue at San Antonio on Tuesday, at New Orleans on Thursday. Um, given where they're at, you know, they're not really rushing him back. I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe he doesn't play again until they're at home at the end of next week. So uh, might have to wait it out. It's going to be a waiting game with Keontae George and. It's a shame, too, because he had the best game of his career right before he got hurt. 30.7 assists uh, against the Oklahoma City, City Thunder on December 11th. I'm still a little tepid on him overall in category leagues. In points leagues, 
totally fine. You know, he's giving you points. He's giving you assists. You know, steals are, are on and off. But he's shooting 36% from the field. And I, I don't know if that number dramatically improves uh, you know, as, we, as, as we move along. All right, we'll do a couple more, uh, then we'll get out of here. Thanks, guys, for the questions. Uh, didn't really know how this would go, going solo. Didn't know, didn't think we would get to an hour, but we're almost there. Uh, all right, Dump4 says, is Amen Thompson going to be a core part of the Rockets' rotation? Is he worth the pickup? I would say probably not worth the pickup. I, I mean, he's certainly a core part of this team going forward. Uh, you, know, you, you kind of forget now because he's missed so much time. I mean, it's his top five pick, right? Somebody that we were really excited about. We, he's supposed to be the better prospect compared to Asar Thompson. And, you know, unfortunately injuries have just kind of eaten up his entire first third of the season. He's only played in five games so far. He came back, played 10 minutes last week against San Antonio, immediately got hurt again. Um, I, I think I think Houston's playing really well right now by their standards. You know, they're hanging around in the playoff, play-in mix. They're one of the best defenses in the league. They have mouths to feed. They have minutes that need to be doled out. And I think the fact that Tari Eason has started to come on makes this an even bigger uphill climb for Amen Thompson. So, He'll have his moments, no question. I'm, I'm still pretty high on him long-term, but he'll probably need an injury, I think, to play enough minutes to be fantasy relevant. Um, I, I think we, we might look back on this season and say, all right, it was kind of a developmental year, and then maybe next year is when we really see the full breakout for him. What are your thoughts on Levert and Heald rest of season, 9-cat? Yeah, Levert should have a pretty nice opportunity here with no Garland, right? I mean, he'll be the pretty clear number two option. I, I know they're still bringing him off the bench right now. That seems to be the preferred role. You're going to have to live with the variance for Levert. Um, you know, Buddy Heald is somebody I want to roster as much as I can. Uh, got off to a bit of a slow start, but he's you know kind of back to being every other game, it feels like. But on balance, I mean, Buddy Heald is, is still a really, really good fantasy player. You know, the volume from three, that's what you're concerned about. I mean, he's losing about six minutes per game compared to last year. He's at 2.7 made threes per game, was up over three last season. Uh, but he almost never misses time. You know, he's played more games than anybody in the NBA by a mile, like 25 more than anybody else, um, you know, since he entered the NBA. So even if you, you know, even if there's like a slight downturn in the per game stats, like he's somebody who plays almost 80 games every year. And I think he can make up for it. Um, right now he ranks 21st in total made threes. He's been a guy who almost always finishes in the top five, top three in that category. So that's a little bit concerning. Um, but if, if I'm choosing between the two, I, I think I just want the dependability of Buddy Heald, especially in a category league. Um, all right, a couple more here, and then we'll head out. Should I trade Markinen, Chet, and Wagner for Bancaro and Tatum? I don't think I would do it, uh, especially if that's Franz Wagner. No way. No way. Uh, I mean, Chet Holmgren, in some formats, has been the best fantasy player of that group. I understand there's some injury concern there. there there's some shutdown, maybe some injury concern with Markinen. I always love getting Jason Tatum because he's just so dependable. And, you know, as far as superstars go, doesn't miss a lot of time. And, and obviously, Van Carroll's having a nice year. But I would I would not do this three for two. I would I would hang on to the Mark and Inchette and, and Wagner side of this. Again, especially if that is Franz Wagner, not Mo. Monk or Pat Williams? Got to drop one for a streaming spot. Uh, good question here from Dennis. Uh, you know, my, my first inclination would be to drop Patrick Williams. He, he is probable for tonight, for what it's worth, was dealing with a calf injury. Looks like he will play. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, he's, he's come on of late. Uh, I think it was last year or two years ago. I remember him comparing himself to Kawhi. I don't know if we're ever going to get that version of him, but last 13 games, he's had about 14 points, five rebounds per game. Good percentages. You know, he's given you about two threes per game as well. I, I think I still lean Malik Monk, though. Uh, you know, Monk has been the more consistent scorer. He's given you a lot of assists too. That's been the nice, uh, you know, nice trend for him this season. 5.2 uh, 
assists per game. You know, not somebody that you ever really think about as a great passer. He's averaging 3.2 threes per game over his last 12. Um, I, I, would, I would go Malik Monk. I, I think, you know, the Kings are just an ideal fantasy team as well. They play fast. They put up a lot of points. Sometimes they allow a lot of points. Chicago's dead last in the NBA in pace. And you know, I know they, they still found ways for guys like Vooch and, and Kobe White and DeRozan to have fine seasons, but it's just not a team that, that really plays to the advantage uh, for fantasy. So I would drop Pat Williams and uh, go with Malik Monk. All right. Appreciate the, the Merry Christmas, the happy holidays wishes guys. George says, thanks, Nick. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Same to you, man. Uh, Aditya, same thing. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. Same to all you guys. We really appreciate everybody jumping in on these streams so far this season. Um, you know, going up to five episodes a week, doing these live, it's something new for us, but you guys have made it really fun. You, hopefully it's been helpful to you guys and uh, you know, we'll keep these going. So we should have at least three or four episodes next week. Obviously with the holiday, we got people traveling and things like that, uh, but we'll keep these coming. We'll, we'll be doing this throughout the entire regular season. Uh, thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Navel. Uh, appreciate everybody jumping in and, uh, and making this a lot of fun and allowing me to do a 62 minute solo podcast. I, I did not think that would be uh, how this one would go. So great stuff, guys. Uh, and we will be back at it tomorrow. We'll have Dr. Ray and Rick Kamla. We'll have a regular waiver wire episode on Friday. I will be back on Monday with my guy, Alex Barutha. So we'll see you next week. Enjoy the holidays and best of luck in your fantasy leagues. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.